Welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Scott. We're keeping you in the loop of the guitar community. episodes of fun we've got landon from uh, chaos audio joining us um, and i sat down with him chatted a little bit about chaos audio's founding where they're going and uh all all about how they came up with the stratus uh multi-effect pedal that we've been talking about a number of times on the show now i think when we first saw their uh, fundraising campaign start on it as well as when we ran into them again at uh summer nam this year this is a great chat especially for some of you who are thinking about maybe diving in to starting your own company, what that looks like, how investment looks. Um, a lot of cool stuff we got into on this one. So I hope you all enjoy it. And here we are with Landon from Chaos Audio. So Landon, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got back from Austin. So we're back in Panama City. Um, now working on getting some manufacturing stuff sorted out. But uh, yeah, doing very well. Now you're you you guys are actually all full time students still, right? While you're while you're launching uh, all the Chaos Audio stuff. So we're not full time students okay. at FSU. I am about to start back part time this fall. Um, two of us are uh, Armis and Cameron, I believe, are full time students. Um, Robert may or may not go part time again this fall because we have a lot of manufacturing stuff coming up. Uh, and then Sam already graduated, um, so he has a computer engineering degree. Um, so, but we're all FSU either alumni or students currently. It's just not not full time for all of us. Now, th- is this how you guys all met originally? It is, yeah. Um, I think the first person I met was Robert, and then he introduced me to Cameron. This was about two years ago, uh, and then Armis came on the team uh, a little bit after that. Uh, he's just the most charismatic person ever. So. I- he's just done fantastic at marketing and then sam joined the team most recently uh, and he's helping with uh, all the software that we're, we're working on for the pedal that's pretty that's that's kind of cool like i i don't know how a lot of people necessarily meet during their undergraduate and say let's start a company and then they just kind of just do it while they're still going to school that's not that's not normal <laughs> So it, it's been an interesting <laughs> situation. Obviously, I got to throw my brother in there, but that's kind of a given. My brother Chandler has been killer at the, at the guitar. He's better than I am. But mm-hmm. we just kind of met um, when we were born. Uh, that's where we met. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We are kind of in a unique situation. There's a startup incubator right down the road from FSU Panama City because we go to the Panama City campus, not in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that you know, when COVID hit, it, it was not a great thing, obviously, but there is a silver lining in that we could do all of our classes online at the incubator while we were working on stuff and it kind of gave us some extra free time to do things. Um, and we essentially lived here for a month at this incubator. I'm here right now, Tech Farms. Uh, so everything shut down. Florida was shut down. It was the worst of COVID. Um, but we were allowed to stay as the as the one company that could stay at Tech Farms. So we all five just lived here for a month. And that's when we made most of our progress. That's when we figured out our electronics. But that's really the only reason we could do it simultaneously with school. That and most of us are only going part-time or have already graduated. But for those that are going full-time, it pains me to watch them have to go through, you know, like two, three classes a day sometimes and then immediately hop off the class and then get back to, you know, sending emails and working on uh, design files for manufacturing and all that and then hop right back in the class 
three hours later. Hmm. Uh, but it's fun. <laughs> you know, as a kid who went to engineering school in the middle of Indiana through basically the entire winter, I kind of wonder what if that life would be better or not. I, I genuinely wonder. I just I just remember so many days of like it's too cold. I'm not going to class. Was was a mindset I had. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have announced this of like how many times I ditched class in college. But uh, <laughs> look, look, everybody does it at least a couple of times. Okay, like yeah. it's it's a gift as long as you know you focus on your work. It's like the Google mindset. Like Google, you know, as long as they're getting stuff done, it doesn't really matter if they're they're in person or not, right? If they're if they're on top of their stuff. So yeah, and so if anyone is listening from my office in toronto yeah yeah it doesn't matter that i'm not there i'm, I'm working I'm getting some time. <laughs> as we say at what is it 3 30 in the afternoon on a monday right now yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> i went to work late tonight don't worry about that um all right let's back up a little bit here i actually i think i think i asked a few loaded questions here for the uninitiated li- listener landon you're with chaos audio do you want to yep. give us a little bit of a the, the quick like elevator speech what chaos audio is and then we can kind of dive into a little bit how you got started what you, what you do there, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really what we're working on is a multi-effects pedal called Stratus. And we have an app on iOS and Android. And what that app lets you do is chain up to five different effects together in any order. You can change the order to get a different sound and it's all wireless. So you connect to the pedal through Bluetooth. The audio processing is done on the pedal because, you know, there's just way too much latency with Bluetooth to do that through the phone. So the pedal itself is essentially its own computer. We like to use the analogy, oh, it's a plug-in in a box because you mm-hmm. can interact with it right through your smartphone in real time and control the parameters for these effects. Um, you know, Save those presets, load those presets, and then set some other settings in the app. But the processing itself is done on the pedal locally. And it also comes with a looper. It's up to five minutes of recording time um, as well as a tuner. And we wanted to go for a really clean aesthetic with a, a fully addressable RGB light strip on the top. And that's what tells you whether your effects are on or off, uh, what state your looper is in, as well as uh, for the tuner when you're using the auto string detection to tune your guitar. Pretty cool. And how how'd you guys get your start on this? Oh, did we lose your first you cut? Oh, I cut yeah, out. You awesome. froze. Yeah. yeah, it froze on me too. This is, I, I said this again, this is the beauty of a podcast on the internet, right? Um <laughs> So how'd you guys get your start? How did this all come to be? I mean, we, you mentioned you guys are all students right now. Who had the original idea? How did this kind of become a product? And then how did you guys kind of turn around and become a company? So it's, it's really interesting. It didn't start as a business idea. Um, I am majoring in electrical engineering. And so I've always been interested in tech, but my brother is really the, the big musician of the family. Um, he was in band. Uh, for the longest time he just graduated high school actually uh and he had an interest in electric guitar several years ago um and we'd always had an electric guitar we played rocksmith we messed around with it a little bit but we didn't really get into effects until a few years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, my brother had bought his very first effects pedal it was a boss ds one i feel like that's the classic starter distortion everybody you know that's Mm -hmm. what you start with but as soon as we got to messing around with it, it was kind of, you know, that was when we were roped into it. We're like, wow, this is really fun. This is cool. Like you, it sounds so much cooler when you can, you know, adjust uh, the sound and sound more like the artists that you're, you're learning the songs of. Right. And so a little bit later on, he's killing it on the guitar. He gets me into pedals. And at the time I was really into smashing pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I would listen to the Siamese dream album, classic angsty teen, except 2018. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would just, I was just into that specific album and I was like, okay, I want to sound like this. I want to learn all of these songs on guitar. Uh, 
Um, and so I went to the music store after I did some research and I found out that the big muff is, is what you should use to get that sound. So that was my, my first pedal personally was the, uh, the op amp big muff, uh, big muff pie. And I was just in love with it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I took it apart. I looked at the board. I was like, wow, wow how does this work? That's, that's when I started looking into, um, circuit design for guitar effects. And it, it started long story short, it started as a, a fun side thing. We're like, okay, how difficult is it to make guitar effects? Mm-hmm. So we started off by doing things like taking the fuzz face circuit and then adding the tone control from the big mouth and making a custom printed circuit board to get that sound and just experimenting with things. And then because of, uh, our interest in, in just tech in general, like new, really interesting tech, we're like, okay, what if we can take it a step further and add an app interface where you could adjust the sounds of the pedal on the fly, like a multi-effects pedal, but through an app instead of having to use the settings on the pedal, plus get access to an online platform. It was quite the jump and it's, it's, you know, it made a a lot of transitions until it got to that point. Um, but we made a prototype. It was horrible. 3d printed square box. Um, we used an Arduino, but we demonstrated the idea. And then from there we got some seed investment from the local incubator. And that's when we were really able to get to work, um, and, and knock this out of the park over the next two years. Uh, and that's, how we got to this point now with, oh, I forget that there's no video, but that's how we got to this point now with the current. <laughs> For those at home, he's holding up a Stratus <laughs> in, the, in the actual enclosure. Um, so this, what, what, it, this is interesting because it is often the common story that you hear from a lot of pedal, pedal builders is, oh, I wanted to make my own. I, I got into pedals. I thought they were cool. So I decided I want to build my own because I understood the, the basic components. And what's interesting is a lot of, a lot of folks stop there. They're like, Oh, I figured out how to put tone control on a fuzz. I'm going to sell that. And that that's all I'm going to do. And, but what's interesting is, so you guys turned around and said, well, we can make an Arduino do this, which again, for people at home, Arduino easy way to say it is like, it's a pre-assembled mini computer. Basically. Like it's, it's, it's essentially, I would say it's the best foray that you can get into digital electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a programmable microcontroller and essentially you can have it control a little display or control an led. It doesn't run in an OS an operating system. So you don't, um, you don't do anything with it on the fly, like develop with it while it's running. You actually write the code and then it burns it directly into the hardware. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the, it's the first foray into electronics. Um, and it's, it's a great tool just to kind of advertise that for people interested. Yeah. Cause you can buy like a pre-assembled board essentially where it has the processor, mm-hmm. the power and the battery is already figured out for you. So those, the, and all you yep. got to worry about is like input and outputs of it that determine logic. Yeah. You know, like that's a it's really super common, cool. Yeah. Like, uh, in fact, just to kind of advertise this, this yeah. started as me trying to figure out how to make an led blink with an arduino just on repeat like that's how simple this started oh, so wow. anybody just to, just to put that out there anybody can can learn this um you know it's just step by step but uh yeah it's i always like to tell that story because um i feel like it, it's there's been a lot of progress made since then i mean obviously because mm-hmm. we have a, a working prototype but um you know it's it's just really the the fun that drove this and i feel like that is a common story Oh yeah. I mean, when you think about it nowadays, like an Arduino, there are Arduino kits you can just like buy at, I don't know if Best mm-hmm. Buy sells them, but I definitely know I live by a micro center. So that's, yeah. that's a little nerdier of a computer store than a Best I'm Buy. I'm kind of jealous actually, because <laughs> we it, don't have one of those. It's handy. It, it's very handy, except for you still can't buy a graphics card anywhere, but yeah. Um, except Newegg, the Newegg lottery, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not willing to pay that much. Um, yeah. So y- 
it, it, it's like one of those things and they'll, they'll sell kits for kids now almost it's like uh it's sort mm-hmm. of the new there used to be lego you know program it kits and those were really limited but these arduinos are just so yeah. powerful of what you can do with them so it, it's cool seeing so you started there and you did a proof of concept of now it was that actually running an effect off of an Arduino in the audio side? So the audio, the, again, you, you know this, the basis for every, every effect is a, a mathematical algorithm. Yeah. But an Arduino Nano is not very powerful. You're not going to get good sound out of that. Mm-hmm. But we, we really just got a couple of different sounding effects that we found just some open source algorithms that we knew could run on an Arduino. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got those implemented. It did. It actually performed the effect in real time on the signal. So you could demo, you could change the sound through the app wirelessly because I had to learn how to make the, the Android app. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't on iOS. It was all, I mean, it was very basic. It was horrible, uh, our very first app. I saved the app APK so we could have it for later just as a, a memory. But um, it did. It ran the effect. It just sounded horrible. And it demonstrated just swapping the effect on the fly through the app and then hearing that change in real time. Oh, cool. And it, out of curiosity, you're, you that has grown now to your current product. You've are you using still an Arduino basis uh, with this, or have you changed platforms completely? We're actually using um, an ARM processor, a much more powerful ARM, ARM processor mm-hmm. um, with about half, half a gig of RAM um, for you know all of the different variables that we have to store samples in when you're doing things like an intense reverb or delay mm-hmm. uh, or that loop, that five-minute loop. Um, and it's, it's necessary to have a more complex system like that because you know now we have a custom Bluetooth protocol that allows us to download effects directly to the pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes about 10 to 15 seconds to do that download. Um, but now the app is actually about to go online. I'm super excited. We're working on the back end, but we had to use a more powerful platform to support those features like effects downloading and software updates as well. So we can push software updates without having to reflash anything. Uh, that's cool. So, I mean, compare that with, I mean, uh, what we've seen in the past here. You've got some some places require full, like, wi-fi connections now like i know like kemper's pushing that right now right they just came out with it after 10 years or whatever the kemper's been out for um and you i i get flashbacks of changing in effect on the fly back to like the tc electronic kind of stuff of like you've got to hold your phone to the pickup just right and then maybe it works so this is a lot cleaner of a, a setup necessarily of like you open your phone you're able to adjust it like you were showing me on the fly we were just messing with stuff real quick and it was just beaming right over and we're able to get set up really quickly with your with your working demo already so yeah we we actually were we're bouncing back and forth early on trying to figure out you know should we use wi-fi or should we use bluetooth mm-hmm. the problem with wi-fi is well sorry i guess the advantage to wi-fi is that you're going to get much faster speeds mm-hmm. when you're downloading files over that connection it's going to download much more quickly um with Bluetooth, the limiting factor is the speed, and especially when you look at things like what Apple requires. Apple does not like Bluetooth Classic. The standard Bluetooth, the high-power Bluetooth, um, if you want to work with Apple and get standard Bluetooth Classic implemented in your iOS app, you have to get M5 certified. It's this crazy process. So we made the decision to use Bluetooth Low Energy. And what that means is we had to write a custom protocol to break up these files that we're downloading into little 20-byte chunks and blast them over to the pedal as fast as we could. So the, mm-hmm. the speed is slower, but we've made it efficient enough that you get about 10 to 15 seconds download time for the effect. But the reason we chose to move away from Wi-Fi, even though it has that faster speed, is because of the fact that 
if you want to download effects where your phone has to be connected to the internet and you know what if you want to stay on your home wi-fi you know you don't want to use mobile data to download this effect and then transfer it over to the pedal um or you know what if you go to a new venue uh, where you're outside and there's no Wi-Fi available and you can't Wi-Fi direct to the pedal because then you can't download effects. You know, there's just a lot of limiting factors with Wi-Fi that we decided weren't worth it. Um, you know, and plus we have some other things planned in the future that use low energy and low energy mm-hmm. is great for a mesh network. And I'll just leave it at that. But interesting, you know, that's why we made that decision. <laughs> so you don't want to tease any more of what you're coming out with you're, you're still trying that under promise uh over deliver yeah yeah we're, we want to under promise over deliver we got to get this sorted out first but we've uh, i'll say we've made some other prototypes of other different things that we've tested thus far um that we're super excited about that's cool so being actually on an a- arm processor uh which is not what most pedals are when you think about it like most digital effects out there that's on the spin chips or the shark chips. Like there, there are dedicated, you know, programming chips for processing audio. Going ARM is a bit different. Were you able to start yeah. with some building blocks or has this been basically a ground up experience for you guys? We did. We, we started with some building blocks. Um, you know, there's several open source components that we're using, uh, some open source algorithms. And, you know, we're going to link to those that we use in the app um, because, you know, it's easier when there's some building blocks that exist that you know if you put them together the right way, they're going to give you the end result that you want. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we did. Um, you know, we used uh, an embedded, an existing embedded Linux platform um, with some existing hardware. We're like, okay, well, if we take this piece of hardware, mesh it with this uh, operating system, and use this open source effect and do it in this way, you know, through this answer that we found on Stack Overflow, then we can download effects to the pedal and have them run in real time. Um, you know, so we definitely had some some starting points, and we've merged those different building blocks together into the final product. So, oh, very cool. Designing from from the ground up would have taken more than a couple of years. It would have taken you know, several years because this is the this is the culmination of a lot of open source projects that people have worked on um, and put time into that have kind of been pieced together with our application specific um, software and hardware uh, that we had to create. You know, as the final like bit to link everything together. That's really cool. And so um, let's let's walk through a little bit more of the history side of it because like you kind of came onto this, how long were you, eh, let, let me figure out my question before I start talking, right? Uh, <laughs> the uh, You kind of came onto the scene for a lot of us when you launched a Kickstarter. How long had you been going at that point before you said, hey, we're ready to start crowdfunding and, and get this out there because you were mentioning you're working with this incubator, you had a proof of concept at some point. What was sort of the timeline through all of this? So if you're not familiar with our first launch, we launched the first time back in November of um, 2020. I don't know if I was about to, about to say 2019, definitely 2020, November of 2020. And we had worked on that for over a year, it was about a year and a half. Uh, because I, you know, I think we started all this back in July of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was almost a year and a half when we launched our first campaign and we had done a lot of build up to that. I mean, everything we've done this far has been a learning experience, but that was when we unveiled our first design with a custom switch, um, a little bit different of a chin, different artwork. Um, and you know, that was our first foray in the Kickstarter, uh, crowdfunding, we ended up raising about 19,000, but ultimately we decided to cancel the campaign because there are a lot of really specific things that you have to do leading up to a campaign for it to really take off and, and, you know, organically reach the right people that are interested. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Fortunately, we decided to cancel because at that same time, we had gotten venture capital investment from uh, the incubators venture capital fund. And that allowed us to continue to iterate. And it ended up being a blessing in disguise uh, because we were able to change the design and make it more feasible for manufacturing. We swapped the stop switch to a standard stop switch so you can replace it with ones that um, you know you like. Right now we're using a layless switch, but you can throw any stop switch in there. And we still haven't decided which one we're gonna use for the final shipment, just to put that out there. But um, you know, we eliminated some noise that was present in the, uh, the audio signal through the board design. I mean, we've learned so much in that time frame, and that's when we launched uh, the second campaign was after we had made those changes and we were ready in June of this year. Um, so when we launched in June, we had worked on marketing, we had worked on getting reservations, worked on tweaking the design for about five months um, after that first campaign, and then ended up being um, very, very, very uh, um, uh, direction changing. I mean, we went from raising 19,000 the first campaign to 133,000 this past campaign. Uh, mm. So now we're able to take this to mass production and get the 550 roughly pedals that were um, ordered shipped out to these early stage backers. So, so that's a that's a fun kind of story of you know a lot of times you listen to a lot of these entrepreneurship stories, right? Like a, I don't know, like another great podcast is how I built that. I don't oh, know if yeah. you ever listen to that one. Anytime I get down about trying to start a company, that's that's where I listen because everyone fails. And so everyone, or everyone oh, has a pivot moment sure. where yeah. they say, oh, we're not ready yet, or this wasn't quite right. And that, that leads to eventually what's the good thing, you know? And so it sounds like you guys kind of had your first sort of misstep there and saying we could do this better and then yeah. turn around and the, doing it better led to quite a successful launch, all things well, considered here. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what we've learned is, is necessary. I mean, you're not going to see that success that you want to see without going through several pivots. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, we made several pivots prior to the first campaign. Before we even launched, we had a completely different design. We wanted the LED light strip to be around the entire edge of the pedal. Mm -hmm. And then the more and more we started working on manufacturing, we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? Like, this is going to be difficult to design and manufacture if it's like a fully continuous light strip around the edge. So, you know, that was the design that we had in our, our vision for like the past year. So it kind of hurt a little bit to make that call to just say, no, this is not, you know, really that important. It's not that big of a design change to just have the strip on the top. And it's going to make this um, more feasible to manufacture and allow us to lower that price point. Um, and so we did. And ultimately, it was one of the better decisions that we made. We did that recently as well. Um, for the longest time, if you go look at the first campaign, it's already public. We were going to try and put a rechargeable battery in this. Mm. But you know, we started looking into shipping regulations. Um, we started looking into the, the circuitry that's required for this to be able to sit on a shelf for six months at no charge and then still be able to charge that battery without depleting it. Um, you know, you have to get down to like the micro amps and make sure you're not drawing anything even when it's in standby mode so that it can sit there on a shelf. And it was just, it was complicated. And so we thought about it. We're like, okay, let's weigh the pros and cons. We already have a type C port and a, a, a nine volt center negative DC jack that you can use with your existing pedal board. Is it that much of a downside to lower the cost of this product? You know, at the end, it's going to allow us to charge less for it because mm -hmm. that battery is fairly expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And also eliminate some of the other components that we need in exchange for also mitigating risk of batteries being set off. I mean, you saw what happened with Samsung with the Note 7. Sometimes those batteries, if you're using a LiPo battery, if they get too hot, if they get punctured, they're dangerous. I mean, they're they're explosive. Oh yeah. Um, so instead of instead of taking that risk as a first time product, we wanted to really focus again on that under promise, over deliver. Just focus on the effects themselves. 
focus on the um, interaction with the app. And also we tested the ability to use it with a portable power bank. You can plug that into the type C port and that solves that problem anyway. So even if you don't have an outlet, you can bring a portable phone charger with you and plug it into the type C port and power it that way. Um, but that's just, that's one example. I dove into that one, but that's, you know, there's several of those I could go into of those pivots that we had to make um, leading up to this. Interesting. And so with, with Kickstarter, just an interesting thing, you, you chose to go that route instead of, let's say, launching a website and trying to pre-sell or all the other different sort of launch strategies you see in the, the guitar world. Why, why Kickstarter specifically uh, versus any of the others? Honestly, Kickstarter is fantastic for a first-generation product because the bottom line is it does, um, you know, if you handle it appropriately, there are obviously, you know, certain campaigns that aren't very transparent with their backers and aren't very clear with them. But at the end of the day, if somebody's backing a Kickstarter campaign, it's because they're comfortable knowing that it isn't really a pre-order necessarily. It isn't really like you're purchasing through an online store. It's, you know, somebody has this idea or prototype um, in our case, we were further along, right? We, it wasn't just an idea at that point. We had demonstrable prototypes, but mm -hmm. somebody has this product that they want to bring to mass production and they need to finance the manufacturing or they need to finance the design. I am comfortable giving them this money at a reduced product price in exchange for waiting six months to get this shipment because, you know, to make the necessary changes to the app and to continue to tweak the design and get mass manufacturing prototypes, a batch of like 25 off of a manufacturing line, it costs quite a bit upfront to do that. So we decided that, you know, the best option was to go with a route that people were gonna be comfortable with from the get go already, on top of being transparent with them so that we're very clear in terms of where we're at for manufacturing and we're not saying, hey, this is absolutely 100% the final product. For example, if we change the switch, you know, we don't want people to think this is the switch that we're using and then change that. We, mm -hmm. we want to be transparent as possible, and that was the best route um, that we thought that we could use to do that. That, and it's better for organic marketing as well. As a company that's never made anything um, before, this is our first product. It was better to kind of get our name out there through a platform that was already well-trafficked. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, you got you got decent press off, and, and you seem to get the media exposure too. I mean, like you, we saw... Music Radar, I think, picked you up, and a few others of uh, the publications picked you up like right away, even before you launched. We were very excited about that. Yeah, we were we were not expecting that level of coverage. We sent on a press release and we're like, "Hey, this is our product. We're launching on Kickstarter." Um, we talked about it a little bit, and you know, we kind of followed that classic press release format that you see mm -hmm. in in uh, in college. Um, and we were shocked. Like we had alerts turned on Google alerts for keywords. And so anytime something like that popped up, we all like got super excited. We started jumping up and down here. We're like, wow, they picked it up. They picked it up. They thought it was interesting. Um, so that definitely helped. That absolutely helped. We got some backers from the music radar post. You can see where they come from, uh, mm. on Kickstarter. Um, but we were very stoked to see that. Um, and it kind of just served as, as good product market fit proof, you know, like launching a Kickstarter is a great way to validate an idea. So, you know, based on that media coverage and the Kickstarter success, it kind of um, proved to ourselves that you know we need to continue to pursue this. We might need to make a couple more tweaks to get to the the final endpoint, but people are interested in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I often hear Kickstarters use this sort of the excuse of I don't know what scale I need to sell this at. Do we have a thousand products? Do we have a hundred products? Like what? Yeah. What are we going to sell at this? And so Kickstarter is sort of the safe way of 
not exactly doing pre-orders, right? Like, cause you get, you get a longer window, you get, you don't get the, the criticism necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know if this is going to scale or not. We don't know what we need to go into. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's worth discussing. I mean, it, it, it's no secret. There's been a few other Kickstarters out there in the world where either it doesn't quite turn out or it doesn't quite, uh, you know, sometimes half the people get it and half them don't. I know I was part of a, yeah. a Kickstarter, not in the guitar world. I, it was, it was a coffee maker, little French press thing of insulated metal. I, I was one of the people that got one early on. Um, yeah. and it was delayed about a year or two from when actually we were supposed to get it. And then I know I've seen things about like people never, it never showed up. The whole thing went belly up cause the guy didn't mm. budget it right or anything like that. And then mine broke after yeah. like two months. And I had to fix it and it's like there's no warranty and there's anything like that so yeah. I mean, we, we've all seen those kind of things and there's like the famous people really want to dig back we did an episode a year frankly years ago about what happened at gear supply company with their kickstarter pedal launch but we've also seen other newer brands kind of pick that up so um actually i would say more experienced brands so you saw chase bliss do that with the blooper for example Oh yeah, a well-established brand that sells out of pretty much any new pedal launch they do. They chose to go that, and and then actually kind of develop the product after announcing it and getting pre-orders with what they did with the blooper. So it is also a unique way of like established companies that are kind of taking a risk with saying we don't know if this product is going to take off or at what scale. How much development should we put into it? So you're seeing that side of it too. It's interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, um, we're super excited. Um, we ended up getting about 540 orders, but you know, to to be quite honest, it is really difficult to manufacture something like this mm-hmm. in in large quantity. Um, we got quotes, you know, dozens of quotes in the U.S., and they were just out of budget. Like there was no way we could manufacture this. We ended up finding a company that was highly recommended by Kickstarter and by Indiegogo. Um, uh, and so we're working with them right now. We just got some great news from them on Friday when we met with them, by the way. Um, so we're super stoked about that, but we're doing everything we can to hit our December ship date. You know, we, we continue to talk to manufacturers prior even to launching our Kickstarter campaign. And they all said that it would be feasible, but right now the semiconductor shortage is not, it, it's not mm. playing like it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to source these parts. We've gotten the vast majority of them. Now we went ahead and ordered them during the campaign. We didn't even have the, the, the funding from the campaign yet, but we're like, look, we're not going to be able to get these. They're going to sell out. We're not going to be able to get them until next year. We need to order now. So we did. So we got our audio codecs, some step-down converters, some other components that rely on that semiconductor material, like the op-amp that we're using. We ordered all those in bulk, as well as our processors, so we can go ahead and have those uh, prior to them selling out. And it came in, uh, it came in handy, us doing that, actually. We, we found out that one of the components that we had ordered, um, the 1,200 of, uh, they sold out three weeks from then and we would have had to wait until like june of 2022 to get that part so it's it's difficult it's it's very stressful but it's it's a fun kind of stress it's like okay you know it's it's there's always a next step and it's really interesting to learn you know how other companies when we meet with them handle their manufacturing like we we talked to soundbrenner i don't Mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with soundbrenner the smartwatch we actually talked with florian um, their ceo and he gave us lots of advice on packaging on manufacturing uh, because they did very successful in their crowdfunding launch. Um, and he is, uh, I just want to, I want to plug him. He's the coolest guy ever. Like he sat down and, and met with us. He didn't even know who we were, but he had a video call with us for 30 minutes and gave us all sorts of marketing insight uh, and, and advice. Um, 
but you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do is learn from people that have succeeded in doing that so we can do it right. Um, and really, you know, make this as efficient as possible so we can continue to scale and continue to provide it at an affordable price. And, and just for those who aren't familiar with the product, um, can they, if they miss the Kickstarter, are they able to buy in still? Is there sort of a, a next round that's in the works? What, where are those kind of things looking right now? So we're actually live on Indiegogo in demand, uh, mm-hmm. and that's essentially Indiegogo's pre-order um, portal. And so we transitioned from Kickstarter to in demand. Indiegogo helped us get set up on that front. So it is possible if you go to Indiegogo to go ahead and get that um, that uh, discounted price point as well as part of the first batch. But we're not heavily marketing that right now because we want to make sure that it doesn't. Because it is a problem if you sell too many. You know, mm-hmm. as we've seen with the shortage, if we go beyond our um, our supply, then we won't be able to fulfill those for, for quite a while. So we want to manage expectations a bit and make sure that we're accurate in terms of what we're expecting for this. But we do have several more uh, available through Indiegogo in demand. And uh, just out of curiosity, that price point that you're 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 selling at right now, refresh my memory. Your the pre-order pricing is what two thirty nine. Two thirty nine. And there's yep. sort of an, in, I'm guessing you're going up there once things are more in a more in stock scenario. Yeah, once once the Indiegogo um, pricing, the kind of earlier pricing for this first batch uh, goes, um, it'll be 269 because we, you know, we still want to provide it at a better price point given that it's early stage, but we mm-hmm. also don't want to make it so uh, much of a good price that people continue to buy it even after we go you know, right up there to the limit of what we're capable of manufacturing. Um, but mm-hmm. right now it's currently 239. Yeah. So that's pretty affordable. I mean, comparatively, like that's most boutique pedals are sitting around like two to 210 right now, maybe 190 ish. So, um, th- when then you jump into multifacts and you're like 300 very quickly. Um, yeah. And so uh, from what this thing's able to do right now, you, you, you said you could run five different effects simultaneously plus a looper. And you've got how many effects sort of already figured out, if not more coming? Yeah, we have we have 15 effects currently, and you can use any combination of those five. Um, actually, we kind of want to be careful with that verbiage because the way that this works is it's pretty wide open. So we say five effects because that's 99% of the time what we can chain together. Mm-hmm. But there have been instances where a certain combination of effects will overtax the processor and it will start to drop samples. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you some insight, this actually prioritizes audio processing above everything else. So it can't even read from the storage device, the hard storage, until it's processed um, the sample that it needs to process. So 44,100 times a second, it will take uh, a sample and it will push it through the entire chain of, of computations for your entire effects chain. Mm-hmm. And so only in between every sample being processed can it even change the LEDs or access Bluetooth or do any of that. Um, and we did that on purpose. So the latency, even at max CPU load, is is not more than three to five milliseconds, which is faster, by the way, fun fact, than MIDI on a Mac. So we really wanted to ensure that the latency was negligible even at max CPU load. But mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to make it affordable. That's why we priced it at that price point because we think that it's it's more than feasible. Um, and we're going to continue to upload free effects to the store. We don't want it to be like a paid only thing, you know. But at the same time, we want to partner with artists and other companies to get some emulations of their effects um, and get some artist series effects on the platform that we do charge for. And that kind of helps us offset 
the lower cost of the hardware so we can continue to generate revenue through um, some custom effect sales. So uh, we're launching with 15 as what the, the multi-effects, but there's definitely intentions for this to grow pretty, pretty heavily. Absolutely. We want to have at least a couple of people dedicated to doing nothing but making effects on a regular basis and uploading them into that platform. Um, and we'll actually be launching with at least a couple of dozen. We have more figured out. We just haven't taken the time to tweak the, the software a bit to get it implemented. Um, so we want to launch with at least a couple dozen when we start shipping. Uh, but then at that point, you know, at least every couple of weeks, we want to drop a new batch of, of at least a few effects. So we want to keep pumping out effects as much as uh, as much as we can, but ensure that they're quality effects. So we want to get people who are really experienced in DSP working on it, as well as uh, some other companies who already have those algorithms sorted out. We want to put them, um, you know, their effects that they created on the store and, and also make their own money because we mm -hmm. would just take a fee from them. They would also get a cut of the effects that they sell. So uh, that's, a, that's a very different market than I think we've really seen. I mean, that there hasn't been, let's call it an app market in the guitar world, effects world. There's been things like, gosh, Eventide had, with the H9, you could, you could pay to upgrade it with like these packs and stuff like that. But that was, you know, super expensive and super crazy uh, kind of price points and things like that. I, I haven't, yeah. we haven't seen a lot of that elsewhere, have we? with that's kind of what we're we're experimenting with um you know it's it's think like the app store on the iphone but in this case it's effects from other developers and other companies that they're putting on the platform to also generate revenue off of we want it to be a mutual uh win-win situation um so it's kind mm -hmm. of the same model um because you know a lot of these other platforms that you see they're fantastic but it's just the company that makes the hardware pushing effects to the platform you know like um, if you buy a, a, a Fender Mustang, it's going to be Fender effects that you get on the, on the platform. So we really want to open that up and give people a development platform. That's actually really like longer term. That's what we want is we want to provide a downloadable development platform where people can develop their own algorithms and then push them to the online store and make them available uh, for other people to download. Because at the end of the day, there's an unlimited number of effects that you could have. I mean, it's all math. It's math. And so you can do some really interesting things. You could read the frequency of the, you know, the fundamental frequency of the note that's being played or the chord or the different notes of a chord and then generate sound as well, you know, almost like a, a MIDI guitar. You know, mm -hmm. there's all sorts of crazy things that you could do with this, but there's no way that one company could figure all of those things out. So we want to make a sandbox instead and then let other people experiment and come up with really interesting and unique um, sounds. That's really cool. I mean, that's, I mean, there, it, it almost already is happening it, when you, when you really think about it with like, as I mentioned, there's two chips out there that everyone seems to develop on. So manufacturers are already yeah. developing algorithms for the same operating system. You know, it's just a, uh, it, it's just, you know, a new, you actually now we always joke that all these pedals are the same box inside with a different paint job. This actually allows you to oh, actually yeah. run all these things um, on it. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping is we really want it to be easy for anyone to hop on there and, and make an effect. But the only way to do that is by making sure the hardware is solid um, mm -hmm. and by ensuring we can push out software updates through that Bluetooth connection in the future. Um, so, yeah, we're super stoked about that. that. Sounds pretty cool. And so we're looking at December when... This is all looking to finally be in hands of people and, and ready to go. Yeah, we're 
we haven't put out an update yet because we're actually getting the timeline, the official timeline from our manufacturer in terms of what we can 100% expect okay. um, with some buffer. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, December is still the optimistic outlook. It's still possible um, if we get everything done um, you know, pretty rapidly. But worst case scenario, we do not want to delay this past February if we can. Ideally, mm-hmm. we want to get it out before the uh, the holidays, although I don't know if they'll be available to purchase before the holidays anyway because of the shortage and we won't really have the inventory to handle that. We'll see. But, you know, we just want to make sure it's not any, you know, crazy time frame that we weren't transparent about. So if we do get a delay on that timeline, we plan on immediately updating. But as of right now, optimistically, December. Yeah, very cool. And uh, so if other folks are interested in this, like I got to jump on this right now, best places to find you guys, best places to reach or jump in it the the, yeah. the slim remaining as we've kind of i think we've created this yeah. sensation of artificial limited demand or not limited demand limited <laughs> supply uh, as we talk about possibly creating some more demand from uh talking like this and promoting it but uh so where where can folks go and and find you yeah absolutely you can go to chaosaudio.com that's c-h-a-o-s audio.com and uh, we should have plenty of links to go to our Indiegogo because that's really what we're pushing right now. Um, so if you want to kind of skip that step and go straight mm-hmm. to Indiegogo, just search for Stratus, the super smart stomp box um, on Indiegogo, and, and you'll see it right there, Chaos Audio. Very cool. And uh, anything else you want to tease or promote while you're here? <laughs> Honestly, we're, we're really focused on Stratus, but I, I again want to reiterate that we do have a lot of other things in the works that utilize that Bluetooth connection um, that we're stoked about. So if we can get Stratus off the ground and if we can you know, generate enough um, scalability through Stratus when we get that first shipment in December, uh, then that will absolutely allow us to continue to pursue the other things that we're really interested in, um, the other devices. But I'll leave it at that. I don't want to say too much because I, I got to make sure Armis, I'm, I'm clear with him. I'm like, oh, what can we talk about? What can we not talk about? It's nothing like, you know, Unless we're real, we're a small company. Like I'm sure that we've talked about it online publicly. Anyway, we've probably posted about it on our Instagram at some point. I'm just not. I'm just oblivious to that. But you know, we're we're very excited about this. But we're really focused on ensuring that Stratus is quality um, and can be manufactured efficiently and on time and delivered. So, well, very cool. Uh, with that, I th- I'm just going to thank you for uh, for joining us and sharing all this. And uh, I look forward to seeing this product when it is finally done I, I i will personally say i've played your pedal i have i have set up a pedal board with it you were you you walked over to me saying scott you're a p-dubs guy figure this out real quick can you do p-dubs on this <laughs> and i had it within i don't know 10 seconds 30 seconds like it was quick <laughs> yeah I, it was it was some great feedback i'm glad that you uh, got to try it out um because you know honestly again i want to reiterate it's a learning experience so the more feedback we get on this the better so it mm-hmm. was it was really cool that you got to try it out um yeah, and and looking forward to seeing these when they're when they're real or what's called done. I I don't want to say they're yeah. not. It's already real. I've I've held it. I've seen it. I've used it. But um, and this was at Summer Nam. You guys had a full booth and you were displaying this and you're up and running. So, um, I'm looking forward to December when these are out in the out in the wild or December to February. Well, I'll give you your buffer. Uh, <laughs> When they're out in the wild and uh, seeing some other people react to them and, you know, creating on them and seeing what else comes of this, because I think you're on to something pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. Uh, it's fun to, to talk about this. 
Um, and, you know, avenues like your, your podcast are a great way to kind of, uh, you know, spread news about this. Um, so I appreciate it. Oh, definitely. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All